Okay, so today is Rosh Chodesh Shabbat. Good Chodesh, everyone. Um, and uh, we are up to Daf Nun Dalet today, but we will be starting off with the review of Nun Gimel. And that will begin um, um, I think a, a little ways down at the uh, at the seven lines down at the Tan Rabbanon is where we'll begin our review. So um, we brought down that um, the a, a Mishnaic source Tan Rabbanon that uh, when it comes to grapes, you can continue to eat grapes as long as the trellises of food are still have food available um, and uh, where the grape vines are hanging. Um, if there are some later uh, um, produce available, so that on that basis you can continue to eat. Say, um, olives have their time. In the last, uh, the, the, the main source of olives was in Tekoa, until the last is available in the trees, that's as long. So that's how much, how long you you would be allowed to eat it in your house. Rabbi Eliezer says it's um, it's the last one of Gush Chalav, which is also known for their olives. Um, and when we define last, we mean that a poor man can go to the tree, and uh, if he no longer finds neither in the branches or in the by the root of the tree at least a rova of of olives, so then um, that's when you can, that means it's no longer available in the field. Grogros um, is, uh, there is no, um, you can continue to eat grogros until, until the page beishini are no longer there. Now, Rabbi Yehuda says that that's nothing to do with the topic. Page beishini is a subspecies of figs, and, uh, and uh, that's uh, relevant only for Meiser to tell you that it's Chayv and Meiser, but it's not not Toloi, it's not hinging on the Pagi Beishini, it's not like those are the last figs out there. Okay. Next we saw is the dates is uh, when the last one in Soar, Soar is a city of dates, and Rishon Malil says it's only if it's Benakipin and not Benashitzin, which means that it's going to be more accessible, that you can reach it, because the Shitzin is thorny and you're not going to be able to access it. Problem the Gemara had with this Memra is that it said that a very different criteria. It says that you can continue to eat grapes until Pesach, olives until Shavuos, grogros, which are dried figs, until Hanukkah, Tamarim, dates, is until Purim, and that's what it says. So um, it's, it sounds like different times. So Rabbi, uh, and Rabbi, by the way, says that Rabbi Yochanan switched the last two. So Grogros is not Hanukkah, rather it's Purim. And Tamarim is not Purim, rather it's Hanukkah. But be that as it may, it uh, sounds like it's a different shear. So the Gemara says, no, it's not true. It's Chachi Uruhu. That's the, the really happening at the same time. The last one in Tekoa of the olives is going to be punked at the time, roughly, of, uh, when, of, of Shavuos, for instance. Okay, um, that's one answer. The other answer we saw is that uh, um, we did already see that if there's any later ones, then you're on that basis you'd be allowed to eat. And um, that's what that's, so therefore it's not really locked in stone at, at, at those particular times. Next, we saw Rabshim Gamliel says 
an interesting memra that the sign for mountainous regions is milin, which are these um, afatsim, which are like uh, growths that grow on oak trees, that uh, those little balls they look like, and they're used in producing inks. Um, and um, and the sign for the lowlands, the, va- the, the, the deep areas, is uh, palm trees. That's where palm trees grow best. Um, and by Anachal is where there, there will be reeds. And uh, the Shefela, which is just lowlands, is the sycamore trees. And we brought a puzzle to that effect. As the Pasuk says, which means that there are so many, but you see that the Shikmim, this species of tree, the sycamore tree, is prevalent in the Shvela. Now, why is this even relevant? Who cares about any of this? So the Gemara explains that the, law, the idea of similar Milin and La Mokim de Kolim is very relevant for Bikurim because it's coming to tell you that only the trees in their natural habitat where it's healthy for the tree will, will be able to be brought. As we know, we will only bring Bikurim from any of the seven species. So you could bring dates as your Bikurim. Now, the dates that grow in the mountainous regions, you wouldn't bring, you wouldn't bring the Bikurim from because that's not where the region is. It's not a, it doesn't grow well there. Um, next we saw um, is the for Nechalim Kanim. What is that relevant for? It's relevant because um, for Nachal Isan, because as you know, there's a, there's a requirement when bringing the Eglarufa, you need to bring the Eglarufa specifically from uh, uh, you, you, you do the process in an empty untilled valley, uh, that, that's a nachal. So you have to bring it to a nachal eisan now. You have to define it as a nachal. If there's some bamboo growing, then you know it's, it qualifies as a nachal. Now, shvela is a shikma. Why is that relevant? For business, because if you ask for a shvela, you, should, you would expect to have some um, shikma there. And if you don't, then that um, can undo the deal. And once you say that it's a business, that it's ever relevant for business, so then um, all of these dinim could be relevant for Mekach or Memker. Okay, which brought us to the new Mishnah. So the new Mishnah says that Mishnah on Dafnun Gimel Amun Aleph is that in a place where, you, where the custom is to sell Bey Madaka, the small species of domesticated animals, to Nochum, to Gentiles, you may sell them. And if that's not the custom, then you may not sell them. But no matter what, in every place, you're not, you're not allowed to sell to a Gentile. Um, the large species of animals, the Bay Magasa, the domesticated large species of animal, which would include cows um, and uh, donkeys, etc. Now, if they're calves or young donkeys, um, if they're whole, healthy, or, or they have a broken leg or something... So all of those is still included in that prohibition. And Rabbi Yudha says, not true that if it's a broken leg, then there's no concern. Um, because the whole issue is related to them working the animals, and that, that's not applicable if it's a broken leg. Um, ben Messira also says that it doesn't apply to horses, because horses primarily are not actually carrying, and not carrying because they only carry the rider, and the rider is not carrying because we have a rule that it's chaynos, it's atzmo. 
So, and again, it was a Shabbos-related issue um, that we may come to lend or rent, and uh, they'll be doing work for us, or even if it's a sale, if it's close to Shabbos, they're going to want to test it out, and the animal will be really working for me, and uh, we know that we are mitzuva, we're commanded on making sure our animals do not work on Shabbos. Um, brings us to the next thing, which is uh, where the custom is to eat roast meat on, on Lil Pesach, then you can, but if the custom is not to, then you may not. Okay, right. yeah. Can we extrapolate the concept of my animal not working in Shabbos to say I am a full Jewish owner of a factory? Mm-hmm. It, it's an oven that you cannot turn it off. It, it, it takes three weeks to turn it on. It's, you know, huge. Uh, yeah, big deal, yeah. So it has to be going to it's going to be on Shabbos. There's a, there's, it's, that's exactly a type of question that needs to be discussed with, with the rabbi in the advance of that business. Because that's, um, the issue is, is, is multi, multi-issue. It's not the same thing as working your animals because it's machinery. But there's, uh, I'm assuming, workers that are working for you in such a factory, which is a big problem because they're doing malacha for you on Shabbos. That's one very big issue. And the other issue is that you'll be earning Parnassah on Shabbos. Both of those are very relevant and important halachos that you have to set it up in advance in such a way to avoid that. That's, that's, what that, that's the issue. I know that you have a partner in Kagoi. Right. You can do the shtick. Right, exactly. You have to, you have to, but the point is, that's why you need to speak in advance before you set it up. To, uh, to a rabbi to help you set it up in the proper way to avoid that problem. But um, the point is that the, the, let's go, the oven cannot stop working. That's the, the issue of, of, of machinery working is less of a concern than the workers working and doing malacha for you on your behalf because they work for you and the issue of you earning parnasa on Shabbos. Those are the two bigger issues. Okay. Okay. Um, things that are automated is a bit less of a concern, okay? But because um, uh, we don't pass in that your kalim need to be resting on Shabbos. Only, that was only based on my old set. Unless it's noisy, then there's a different, that's a different thing. Um, but there's, anyway, it's a, it, it's a whole area of law. Okay. It is, um, it's a big, it's, it happens, it's another big discussion and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, questions about it. It's a question of, uh, it, it, the main question there is that it's, uh, it's all automated um, and, uh, but uh, the, it's very possible that, there's, that there are legal loopholes about, around that in many areas, many factors of that because it's, not very, it's never just on Shabbos you have to ship it out. When did you actually make the profit? You know, uh, just because they agreed to buy it. So it's a very complicated area of halacha. Um, it's interesting that uh, the Jewish websites are makbid, if it's a specifically a Jewish product, they're makbid on Shabbos to shut down the website. Um, yes, that's because the business is meant for a fellow Jew, and it's because of the 
lifnei iver component of it. That's why that's the real. That's what the real concern is. Uh, but pe- pe- people who are you know selling things on Amazon or whatever, they're, they they it's just up there and. Um, it's not, that's it's a little bit. It's not necessarily for Jews, so then it's not as it doesn't have that extra that extra measure. But if you go to uh, let's say B and H Photo, uh, I think they actually do shut down their their. their they, it, are, they, they they do shut down, but I think that's that's to, that's they're going above the letter of the law in that um, because it's a well known Jewish uh, Jewish company, and they want and they don't want to have any issues. Um, but uh, it's very interesting. Okay. It's huge, yeah, huge. Right, very, very big. Okay. So, we're on the Gemara now under, on our review in Nun Gimel. So, review the says in the name of Rav that it's forbidden for a person to say that this animal I want for my Pesach, for Pesach. Even though his intent, of course, is not for the Korban Pesach, it's for the meal on Pesach. But it looks like he's being makdish the animal, and that's a, and he's eating kachim outside of Eretz Yisrael, outside the Beis Hamikdash, outside the the area where you need to in the city of Yerushalayim. Anyway, bottom line is it looks bad. Rav Papa says it's only for replies to um, meat. But uh, if you say I want this wheat from from Pesach, that everyone understands that you just mean that it should be saved for Pesach for the meals, because nothing to do. Now, um, the question is, is that seemingly um, uh, there's a story where Rav Yossi brought down from Tudus Ishromi that he had the people of Rome specifically on the eve of Pesach to eat roasted goat that literally roasted in the exact same way as the carbon would have been roasted. And they sent him that if you weren't to this, we would put you in cherem for doing such a thing because it looks like it's kachim bachutz. It's not really kachim bachutz, but it looks like it. So it's close to it. And it, you shouldn't do that. But um, it sounds like that's only a problem because it was roasted in that specific way. But basar alone, just meat, it sounds like it's not a concern. So the Gemara explains that what... No, the reason why the rabbis have an issue is when it's makulus, even if you said nothing... You're just bringing it that way, that's the Marsayan. But when you spe- specify that I want this meat for Pesach, then it's a problem even without it, it being brought in that particular way. Rav Acha said, had a different quote of this story of Tudus, and it was not from Rav Yos, it was from Rabbi Shimon. So the Gemara, Rav Shesh has asked the question, is that if you say it's Rav Yossi, I get it, but if it's Rav Shimon, Rav Shimon never should have a problem with what Tudus did, because he basically has a rule that we don't take it, if it's not possible, we don't take it to mean that. The example of Rav Shimon's halacha is, the person says, I want to bring a mincha minasi orim, he wants to voluntarily bring a mincha that's from barley, there is no voluntary mincha from barley. There's only two possible Karbanos mincha from barley, that's the carbon omer that's from barley, and that's the mincha sotas from barley. Those are, neither of those are voluntary, um, and uh, they're different type, and one's a carbon seabor, and one's a mincha sota. So to voluntarily bring a carbon, uh, a carbon mincha minatsorim is meaningless. And therefore, according to Rabbi Shimon, it has no meaning. And therefore, the same thing should apply here as well, and you shouldn't have a problem with this. 
So Ravina said to Rav Ashi, and if it's Rav Yossi, it's also sh- it's, it, we should also have a question even in Rav Yossi's position. Why? Because Rav Yossi says, um, even uh, uh, Rav Yossi says that we take into account what a person says, even the last part of what he says. So in other words, if a person says, Arezu tmuras olo tmuras shlamim, so that can't be both. So Rabbi Meir says that we just go by the first part. But uh, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Yossi says we take his full statement into account as if he wanted to say it should mean both the Tumur of Ola and Shlamim. And Rabbi Shimon holds like Rabbi Yossi. Isn't it logical that if Rabbi Shimon holds like Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi holds like Rabbi Shimon? So the verse is not necessarily true. Rabbi Shimon holds like Rabbi Yossi that he takes a full statement into account. But Rabbi Yossi maybe disagrees with Rabbi Shimon and says even though he, made, he didn't make a, a donation the way most people do, we try to make sense out of it that it could be meaningful, and that's the um, and that's the issue. Okay, the question the Gemara had is about Tudus Ishromi. What type of person was he that the rabbis refrained from putting him in cherem? Is it because he was a big tzaddik? He was a great man, a Tamil chacham, and that was the reason, or is it because he was a tough person? He was a very wealthy, very influential in um, in the political circles, and it could be dangerous. That was the question. So the Gemara brought down. A quote from Tudus Ishromi, actually fascinating how it connects to this week's parsha. Chananya, Mishol, Azariah allowed themselves to be thrown into a fiery furnace, and they said, on what basis didn't they apply the rule of a chaybeh? Tosu says they could have easily ran away and avoided the problem in the first place. But they didn't. They allowed themselves to be, to be thrown into the furnace. On what basis? So they, they based it on a kalachomer from the Tzfardim. The Tzfardim says they went into the ovens and it specifies in such a way that it indicates that they went into the ovens even while they were hot. So they basically gave up their lives by jumping into a hot oven. And even though they're not mitzvah on Kiddush Hashem, they did so. So we who have a tzivoy of Kiddush Hashem, we certainly should do so. And that's why they, they did this. And of course, as we know the end of the story, they were saved and, they were, and they were, their lives were spared. And it was a big miracle. Anyway, so um, the Gemara says that on that basis, you see, he was a Talmud Chacham. He's quoting us a halacha, or a drasha. Um, we did see another explanation. Rabbi Yossi Ber-Avin says that the reason why Tudus Yishromi was given such respect is because he provided parnasa to Talmud Chachamim. He gave them jobs and he gave them. Um, business business opportunities that they would be able to continue their studies and in that merit he's entitled to be in the Yeshiva Shalmala with them and we quoted a passage to that effect a very interesting side halacha brings us to the next Mishnah in a place where the custom is to light candles on Leil Yom Kippur we light and if it's the custom is not to then we do not light but we always light on, on, on Yom Kippur in the synagogues and the houses of study and in the dark places and also for the sick people so that they should have light because in the dark room it's, it could be dangerous for the sick person. Um, now, the Gemara bring, brought down that the two opinions of whether to light candles on, on Yom Kippur night or not to light candles on Yom Kippur night is really... Um, the, 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 same, the same goal and two ways of looking at it. So their intent is to save, uh, uh, to protect against the, con- the concern 
that a person might be tempted to have relations with his wife, which is prohibited on Yom Kippur. So we know that there's a, an idea that you're not allowed to, you're not supposed to have relations in, in, when, it's, when it's light, the light's there, so that's the reason to put the light. The other idea is, is that it's better to not have a light because when you don't see your wife, it won't be aroused to want to have relations, so therefore in the dark is less of a concern. And those are the two svaras, one, one against the other. But again, the goal was the same thing, and that's the pasuk was applied of Amir Kulum Tzadikim, Lolam Yeshuaras. Next we saw, and that's going to lead up into today's daf, is uh, we saw Rav Yudha said the name of Shmuel that we do not make a bracha for Ma'ure Ha'esh only on Matzah Shabbos because the fire was created on Motzai Shabbos of the first of, 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 by creation by Adam Arishon. That's when he discovered fire. So um, what somebody he was either Hu Sabo or Rabbi Barbechan who said that you know what even Rabbi Yochanan says this as well. And that brought us to a story. Ula was traveling on his donkey, and to his right he had Rabbi Abba, and to his left he had Rabbi Babrachana. And Rabbi Abba said to Ula, isn't it true that said over in the name of Rabbi Yochanan that you only make a bracha on or for Motsai Shabbos, because that's when the fire was created. And right away Ula turned to his left, to Rabbi Babrachana, and gave him a nasty look. And Rabbi Barbachana said, I never said, he, he understood what that look was about. And he said, I never said anything to the contrary. When I, what I did say was about a different halacha of, of Rabbi Yochanan that I was quoting, when Yom Kippur comes out on Shabbos, even if the custom in general in your place is not to light candles uh, for Yom Kippur night, but if it's Shabbos, we covered Shabbos, there is, a, a, then, then the custom would specifically be to light candles in that place. And Rabbi Yochanan said, and the, by the way, the Chachamim argue on Rabbi Shem ben Elazar. And on, that's where I said Rabbi Yochanan. And, um, and on... Yom Kippur Sunday? No, when Yom Kippur and Shabbos fall out together, so you have Friday night candles, and you have Yom Kippur not candles. Again, there's a minute we saw... Some people have the minute two light candles on, on, on Yom Kippur night. And so, the night before, the, the eve of Yom Kippur. And some have the custom not to. If in your place the custom is not to, but it's also Shabbos, then the Shabbos, the covered Shabbos, will override that custom. That's all Rabbi Shem ben Elazar says. No, it means that you should have a candles. You should. That's what... It's, it's not a matter of kaidem, that's, that, that's a matter of kadima. But the point is, Shabbos is a more important concern, even though that's all. That's true, but the point being is, like, I, like we said before, there's, an opi- there's a custom in certain places specifically not to light candles because it shouldn't lead to to the person being enticed to have relations with his wife. That's what the Svar is. So maybe it should apply even if it's Shabbos. So Rabbi Shimon Lutzer says it doesn't because covered Shabbos is a bigger, is a, is a more weighty value. And on that, the, uh, Rabbi Yochanan said, the Chachamim argue and pray a bit. And, and on that, Ula said, you know what? Ah, oh, Taka, that is true that Rabbi Yochanan said such a thing. On that, Rabbi Yosef, when he saw this back and forth, he applied the Pasuk of from Mishle of Maim Amukim Eitzim Levish, Vishtfuni Yedlena, that it, even when a person doesn't even say anything, 
he keeps it in his heart, which is what happened with Ula. He just made a face. He didn't say what, what was his issue. Rabbi Barbachana was smart enough and understanding enough to know what he was, what he was driving at, to, and he went down and explained himself. And that is where we left off, and we're going to start from here.